You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the wonder boy, Charlie Patino. We're going to be bringing you an update on Emil Smith-Rowe, who had to pull out of the England under-21 squad through illness. We'll be talking about what that might mean for the visit of Norwich City this weekend. We're also going to be talking a little bit about Takahiro Tomiyasu, Arsenal's new defender, who impressed during Japan's 1-0 win over China last night. Lots and lots to get into, as always, and we'll be taking a few of your questions uh, from the live chat. Uh, this is the first of two episodes we'll be bringing you today. I'll be joined a little bit later on, 4.30pm uh, UK time. James Cook will be joining me, who I'm sure many of you will recognise from the podcast uh, in months gone by. James will be alongside me. We'll be having a bit of a general discussion around the Arsenal, as well as taking some of your questions from the live chat. Let's kick off the show then by talking about Charlie Patino. And he's a player who's getting a lot of love at the moment on the Arsenal Twitter sphere, and rightly so. He looks a really, really talented individual. I've seen comparisons made between Charlie Patino and Jack Wilshire. I've seen comparisons made between him and uh, De Jong, Frankie De Jong, uh, in the midfield. I'm a little bit reluctant to do that, to kind of heat that pressure on a young man and, and basically, you know, point at a, a player of years gone by or a player who we've been impressed with in the past and say, yep, he's going to be the next I hate that. I hate when people do that because for me, every player has his own style. Every player has his own attributes. Every player has his own qualities. Every player has his own deficiencies. Yes, you can be similar stylistically to someone. And I think that's the key kind of word that you need to kind of make sure you include in the conversation when talking about young Charlie Patino. But at 17 years old, there's no doubt about it. This guy is making a splash. He's making some noise. He's making it clear to people that he is very much a star of the future. Now, he was handed the captain's armband last night for Arsenal's under-21s as they took on Swindon in the Papa John's Trophy. That's what it's called nowadays. Keep changing. But yeah, the Papa John's Trophy, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, he did really, really well. Um, Really controlled the midfield brilliantly, picked up the ball uh, just in front of the back four and got Arsenal ticking constantly. And I've only seen highlights. I haven't seen the full game, but it's clear just based on those highlights what a mature and, uh, I guess, advanced individual young Charlie Patino is. For a player of that age to look so assured in possession, to look so comfortable. And I know we're talking about the Arsenal under-21s, but you've got to remember that this kid is 17. So this is still quite a big step up for him. You know, this is someone who should by rights be playing in the under 18s, but he's that good. He's playing at a higher level. He is turning out uh, week after week and performing really, really admirably. And he's somebody that people around the club are incredibly excited about. You can see the fanfare is starting to pick up as well on social media, online Arsenal fans talking about him perhaps being given an opportunity in the first team. 
And I don't think, looking at those performances, it's outrageous to say that Charlie Patino should be considered for Arsenal's upcoming Carabao Cup third round tie with AFC Wimbledon. I think it's a game that we all expect Arsenal to win at home uh, against the lower league side. Obviously, not saying it's going to be easy because for teams like that, it is almost the game of their lives. It is uh, you know, a really special occasion for them. It does give them that extra incentive to push on. And, you know, we're talking about maybe potentially resting some players and bringing in the likes of Patino into the setup, into the squad uh, and giving him potentially his first team debut. But they're still going up, albeit a lower league, they're still going up against experienced professionals. And that can be difficult and poses challenges, sometimes physically you know, a 17, 18 year old will find it difficult uh, against the likes of, you know, a League One or League Two side. You look at Charlie Patino and he's not the biggest player. He hasn't got the biggest frame. And I know that doesn't mean everything in football, but, you know, you do want to see him kind of given that opportunity to develop, but without putting too much pressure on him and while allowing him to still find himself, still find his confidence. I would put him in the squad against AFC Wimbledon. Having said all of that, I'm not sure I'd start him. I'd probably bring him on depending on how the game's going and give him that debut because I think he deserves it. I think the the quality he has shown so far makes it pretty clear that he's going to go on to become uh, an Arsenal first teamer in the future, assuming we can keep hold of him. And so, you know, make him feel loved, make him feel wanted. And I'm sure uh, a lot of the fans who will be attending that game against AFC Wimbledon will be doing so with a view to seeing some of these types of players, to getting a good close-up look at him. I know for me, you know, going to that game, one of the big appeals is getting to see players like Charlie Patino. So, uh, yeah, um, if indeed he is given his first team debut uh, on the 22nd of September, then great. If he's not, I understand it as well. But I do think that what he's shown so far, despite all the talk about kind of slowing it all down, making sure that we manage him right, making sure that we manage him correctly. I do feel like he's done enough to at least be in the squad. And that's something that I'm sure the fans would be really pleased with and uh, really looking forward to if that news was to emerge in the lead up to that game. Now, a couple of interesting things about Charlie Patino that I didn't know, if I'm honest, and, and I probably should have... Um, should have known this, so I'm not exactly giving myself a pat on the back here, but uh, he is eligible to play for Spain as well, apparently. Now, Charlie Patino's father grew up in Spain, was a Deportivo La Coruña supporter. Now, if you cast your minds back, we played them, <coughs> apologies, in European uh, competition many, many years ago. Were a huge club uh, in Spain back in the day, had a really successful team, had some great players. Valeron, if you remember, uh, being one of them. Diego Tristan up front. Roy Mackay had a spell there as well. So they had some really, really good players. And um, yeah, interesting to know that his father makes him eligible to play for Spain and that his father grew up a Deportivo La Coruña supporter because Charlie Patino himself has been quoted in interviews as saying that he would one day like to play in La Liga. And when you look at his style, when you look at the way he carries the ball, his awareness on the pitch, you do feel as though he would be perfectly suited uh, to La Liga. It's not to say he can't make it in the Premier League, but I think in La Liga, the technical side of things uh, is a little bit kind of, or, or there's a little bit more weight on the technical side of things as opposed to the physical like there is maybe sometimes in the Premier League. So, yeah, uh, really looking forward to seeing how this young lad develops. And I think that we've got a real, real player on our hands. And and I understand why people are excited. I would just say that 
he is 17 years old. And I'm always a little bit cautious with young players because I've seen so many over the years come through and be brilliant. But I've also seen so many almost threaten to hit these incredibly high levels and then not live up to it because in reality, they were never really at that level. They never really had the ability to get to that level. And then we kind of shoot them down and say, oh, they're a flop when actually we probably just misjudged them in the first place. So I'm a little bit reluctant to get over the top carried away with Charlie Patino, but I think he deserves a place in the squad, not necessarily in the starting 11, to take on AFC Wimbledon in the Carabao Cup. And with no Europe, the cup competitions uh, do carry a little bit more weight for Arsenal this season. Are we going to see Mikel Arteta go a little bit stronger in that competition? Probably, but there will be rotation. There's no doubt about it. And there's no reason in my mind why Charlie Patino doesn't at least deserve a place on the substitutes bench. So that's my little bit on the 17-year-old. Let me know your thoughts on him in the live chat box as well, because I can see there's some comments coming through and we'll pick up on uh, those in just a moment. But while I've got your attention, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do like the video. There's over 100 of you watching us live right now. It really, really does help. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. We're trying to get to 16.5K on YouTube as soon as possible. If you're listening via the audio, please do leave us a review, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. It really, really does help. So uh, get involved, show your support. And uh, of course, if you want to go one further by becoming a member of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, you can do so by clicking the join button below the video if you're watching us via YouTube or by clicking the link in the description. Right, let's go over to the live chat box. Let's see what some of you guys are saying with regards to Charlie Patino. Daniel DaCosta makes that comparison with Jack Wilshire. Alfred uh, mentions Hutchinson as well, who he says also looks like a baller. Yeah, um, I've heard good things about Hutchinson as well. Again, admittedly, I don't watch much of the under-21s. I don't watch much of the under-23s, but obviously I do keep up to date with what's going on. I've seen highlights and I've been paying particular attention to Charlie Patino, though, in recent weeks because of how highly he is spoken of. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the under-21s in a minute. I know a couple of you, the England under-21s, that is, I know a couple of you uh, have been mentioning that in the chat box. Yonick says, yeah, Patino looks like he still has to fill his frame out. Yeah, and don't underestimate how important that is in men's football. You know, we've we've seen players come up and we've seen players that you look at sometimes and go, man, he is not 18. Like I remember playing football and coming up against some lads on opposing teams and thinking, mate, there's no way that that guy's 18 years old. They've definitely fiddled his registration card or whatever. It happens, right? But at this level, it doesn't. So, you know, there are boys that come through and they're at that level physically already. And then it's about refining their game and getting a little bit more polished uh, from a technical aspect. And then there are players who are very polished from a technical aspect, like Charlie Patino, who probably just need to develop that little bit more physically. Uh, Ilian, uh, Lilian, sorry, says that the boy must have a chance to play He's better than Shaka. Uh, Matt says a lot of fans will say we should throw Patino into the first team as he has to be better than what we have. But we need to be mindful of his development. Absolutely. There's a balance to be found between giving someone game time at an early stage in their career to develop, to get that experience, to, to push forward as, uh, in their kind of upward trajectory. But also not giving them too much too soon is important. Not allowing them to think that they can get it all just like that and understanding the hard work so that they appreciate it when they do get to that level, but equally managing fans 
and media expectations of those young lads because it's a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders. I've talked a lot about how I feel we've put too much weight, too much expectation on a couple of our young first team players. And I genuinely do feel that. Um, so, you know, it, it's happened now and it's happened because they've been good. But we've got to kind of make sure that with players like Charlie Patino, that bit younger as well, we're not talking about a 19, 20 year old. We're talking about a 17 year old. We need to just manage that a little bit better, I think. Um, Derek Syme says, all these young lads are prepped for the big time. Surely I don't get why everyone makes a big deal out of it. I think a lot of it is mental. I think a lot of it is mental. You know, we talk about the physical side of it and all of that, but I think a lot of it is mental and you have to be mindful of that. I think that at the age of 17, it can't be easy to take on a lot of pressure. And I think when you are in the Arsenal first team, you do end up, um, you know, taking on a lot of pressure. You will get people criticising your performance on a weekly basis. If you are at any point a little bit under par, you will get people with no kind of, no holds barred, ripping you to shreds if it doesn't work. And I think that I think that that's more important in many ways when you're managing the player than the actual their than their actual ability. It's clear that he's got ability, right? But we've seen lots of players with ability in the past for a number of reasons, not necessarily live up to that. So I'm just a little bit cautious. In Jack Wilshere's case, it was injuries. Um, it was the physical side of the game. He couldn't he couldn't get up to that level, and he couldn't maintain it. He couldn't maintain his body. You know, some of that is 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 natural. Some of that is, I guess, just the way you are. And there's not a great deal you can do about that. But I think as a manager and as a player yourself and as a, a medical team, you have to find a way of managing it that works for that player. And I never thought we really found that with Jack Wilshire. I thought at times we overexerted him um, and that was a, a big issue. Let's uh, let's move uh, further down the chat. Uh, Robbie says, uh, Patino looks great, a little light physically perhaps, but he's still developing. And you're right, Harry, ex uh, keep expectations sensible. Uh, Guna Vettel says, Patino's a baller, deserves to go out on loan to a championship side. Interesting. Um, interesting indeed. Uh, big thank you to Said Abdullah for your very, very kind uh Super chat donation, mate. Really, really uh, appreciate that. Thank you so much. He says, I think we have to be careful with him. I watched him. He's a great talent. I love him, but I think he still needs time. I watched him, makes a lot of mistakes, but this is to be expected. He's still young. Yeah, again, look, this is the thing as well, right? And I think that somebody who is in a position um, like yourself, Syed, who's watched him a lot, is in a much better place to tell us whether he's ready or not. You know, from my perspective, I've seen a few highlights. When you put highlights together, you don't put the shit bits in, right? So that's why I'm a little bit reluctant to say, yes, get Charlie Patino in the first team. He has to be playing week in, week out because I haven't really seen the full picture. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans, if they're being honest and put their hands on their hearts, are in the same position. So uh, really important point side. And again, thank you, mate, for your very, very kind uh, super chat donation. Really, really appreciate it. Right, let's uh, let's move on and then we'll come back to the chat in just a little bit with some more of your comments and questions. Let's talk a little bit about Emil Smith-Rowe. Now, of course, the Arsenal man had to pull out of the England under-21 squad through illness. Now, Lee Carsley, the England under-21 boss, made it very, very clear that this is not to do with COVID. Um, I guess, 
you can't be sure of that because we've seen in the past where Arsenal Football Club themselves have said a player is out, uh, not explain the reasons only to then reveal later down the line that it is COVID. But remember, Nicola Pepe, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, taken ill just before the Man City game. And it seems Emil Smith-Rowe has come down with something as well. And I think it's very easy to forget that there are other viruses, bugs, colds, things like that, that you can pick up in this world that are not COVID-19 because all the focus has been on that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe, I'm well. It seems he is a doubt uh, from the reports that we're reading for the game against Norwich City. If he's a doubt, obviously it's a blow to the squad. You know, we were talking just yesterday about how excited I was about going into a game with actually a pretty clean bill of health. Yet, look, if we're missing Emil Smith-Rowe, obviously that's a blow. He gives us a different option. It gives us some quality. But, you know, I think that's one of the ones we probably could cope with. You could play Saka and Pepe on the wings. You could play Obama Yang or Lacazette through the middle, uh, you know, and, and Odegaard is at the club now as well. So it wouldn't be the end of the world, but obviously I'd prefer to have him available because as I've mentioned on numerous occasions over the last few weeks, I do think he gives us something different to what Martin Odegaard does in terms of his ball carrying and in terms of his uh, his directness at times. Moving on uh, from Emil Smith-Rowe, we're going to touch on uh, attacker hero Tomiyasu. Now, the Japanese defender was part of Japan's back line in their 1-0 win over China during their World Cup qualifying fixture. Now, Tomiyasu was named in the starting eleven, and there was the scramble from Arsenal fans on Twitter to try and work out exactly where Tomiyasu was going to play. We've talked about him coming into the club and that he's versatile and that he can play at right back, at centre back, at left centre back, etc, etc. And initially, some people thought that he was playing at right back for Japan. Actually, though, he ended up playing on the left side of the centre back pairing. So Tomiyasu playing in a position that isn't unfamiliar to him might not necessarily be the position that we, we're looking to use him in ourselves, but it is a role that he's played in frequently for Bologna. Now, some of the things that were on show from Tomiyasu last night are a lot of the things that we expected. Seems to have a very good understanding of the game, seems to read it very, very well. He's aerially incredibly dominant. And this is a player who averaged 3.51 successful aerial duels per 90 minutes last season, which is significantly more than any other Arsenal defender. He's a very progressive passer. We saw that at times in that game against China. And I've uh, I've noted down the versatility, but we've already kind of touched on that. So, um, yeah, uh, all, all good stuff. All good stuff. And look, when we talk about Tomiyasu and people say, well, you know, he's coming in as a centre-back, we don't actually really know that. And we're not really going to know that until Mikel Arteta starts naming him in the side. Obviously, he'll head over to London Coney off the back of that game and join up with the team ahead of that game against Norwich City. But it's not unusual to quote Tom Jones, uh, for a for a player to play one role for his club and a slightly different role for his national team. Remember, national team managers don't have the luxury of going out and buying players and therefore they manage the squad as best as they can. So just because Tommy Asu played on the left side of a back uh, of a centre back pairing for Japan doesn't mean that he's going to play there week in, week out for the Arsenal. And it's important, I think, uh, to note that. Just finally, uh, let's get a few of your questions in the live chat. Start popping them in there. Uh, I'd be very, very grateful if you do so. And we'll pick out two or three of those before we wrap it up. As I said, we're going to be back later on with a 
another episode. Myself and James Cook will be having a bit of an open roundtable discussion, if you want to call it that, uh, about the situation at the Arsenal and how we move forward and looking ahead. I think we spent a lot of time talking about the transfer strategy. We spent a lot of time talking about the first three games of the season, how bad they were and the position that we're in. But how do Arsenal move forward? That is something that myself and James are going to be conversating over uh, a little bit later on today. And of course, as always, as soon as that live stream finishes, that episode will go up on the audio for our podcast listeners. Don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please do hit that like button. I know I've said it already today, uh, but let me... um, let me just check in where we're at at the moment because it really, really does help. There's over 200 of you watching right now. We've only got 54 likes on the board. Look, with 200 of you watching, we should at minimum have 100 on the board. So let's please get there uh, as soon as possible. As I say, it really helps the channel, really helps get the video out to more people and it helps us uh, continue in our growth. So uh, thank you in advance for your cooperation and support. Uh, let's take this question, uh, this comment, sorry, from John, who says, I'm so excited about Tommy playing. The guy looks a really sturdy player. We need players in our 11 that always give us a solid eight out of 10 every week. Might not be pulling up trees, uh, just like Mohammed. Uh, just like I won't say Mohammed, Martin Odegaard, uh, used to. Yeah, you need players that I think one of the big problems for Arsenal uh, over the last couple of years has not necessarily been that we haven't had the quality within the squad. It's been that that quality has been on show nowhere near consistently enough. And consistency is a really important thing. You'd rather have a player, I think, that gives you a 7 out of 10 every week than a player who gives you a 9 one week but then disappears uh, for a little while. So it's really, really important. Oh, sorry, John was meant Nacho Monreal. Uh, Yeah, agreed. You know, he gave us a really good standard of performance uh, on a regular basis. Very, very consistent, completely agree. Um, And that's a a really great point. But I think you're right. Consistency is something that's huge for this Arsenal side. It's something we've struggled with and it's something that hopefully uh, Tommy Asu can bring to our back line because at right back, we've been a bit hit and miss. You know, sometimes it's been Cedric. Sometimes he's been good. Sometimes he's not been so good. Sometimes Callum Chambers has looked like a, a world beater at right back. And at other times, he's looked completely out of his depth. I think the same could be said for Hector Bellerin, who at times looked very competent and at times looked very under par. So to have a consistent fixture there, just like we do on the left side, albeit playing a different role, tucking in a little bit more, fitting the tactical structure of the team, I think is very, very important. So, yeah, um, I agree with you on that, mate. Uh, big thank you to Anne Wesh for your very kind Super Chat donation. Thank you so, so much, my friend. He says, I watched Patino for three matches. I think his ball control passing and vision is close to Ozil. Big words indeed. Uh, but he can make errors like Xhaka needs more time. And and again, uh, I'm not claiming to be this massive expert on, on Charlie Patino. I know there are people out there like yourself, Amwesh, who watch the younger players a lot more than I do. Um, but when you say he makes errors like Jack, I'm assuming you mean he can give the ball away in dangerous areas, maybe overplays at times. Um, but that is stuff that he will develop. You know, that is stuff that he will iron out. And that is stuff that comes with experience, knowing when to play the way you want to play and knowing when to release the ball, knowing when to, um, play the pass early, knowing when to carry it that little bit. I think there's a lot of things that as a footballer, you'll start to iron out. You'll start to play the game rather than let the game play you. I always go back to that quote, great quote from Jens Lehmann a few years back on 
on how professionals uh, need to approach football matches in particular goalkeepers he was talking about and the whole uh, idea of, of playing the ball out from the back etc etc uh what else have we got um Matt G says, uh, Tommy hasn't had one training session with the team yet. Surely he can't play at the weekend. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if if Callum Chambers was given the nod or Cedric was given the nod for the game against Norwich because of that factor. But Tommy Asu, of course, is somebody who's up to speed fitness-wise. He's been part of Bologna's side. He's not somebody who's been... Uh, cast aside, kind of waiting for a club. He is at the level of fitness that would be necessary to come in. I wonder if Mikel will just feel like, because of the way we've started this season, we just need to refresh the team as much as possible. And as a result, chucks him in. But also, to your point, Matt, I wouldn't be surprised if he was left out of this one from the starting 11 anyway um, and called upon perhaps later on in the game to get a little bit of uh, playing time in the Premier League or just left until the next fixture against Burnley. I don't know. I don't know. I think when we talk about what Tommy Asu brings to the table, that aerial ability, the tucking in, the being quite physical and, and good in aerial duels, I think, I don't think Norwich are going to cause us that many problems in that sense, I've got to say. Uh, but I think that Burnley the week after certainly will. So perhaps he will focus on getting Tommy Asu up to speed with that game in mind and perhaps feel that we could potentially get by Norwich without having to bring him in or rush him in. Uh, so it's a really, really good point. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out at the weekend. Uh, right. I think we are going to leave it there. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to take one more question because I said I'll take three. So let me just take this one um, from Sam. He says, how can you sign a player not, and not know where he really plays? We needed a specialist right back, not a hybrid right back slash centre back. I agree to a, to an extent, Sam, but I also think that Mikel Arteta's system, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it's the right way to go or not, actually suits this type of player. A player who will be a right-back at certain points in the game, but will also shift into a centre-back during certain phases of play. It's very clear that Mikel Arteta's system is a fluid one. We talked about it a lot last season. We talked about how Xhaka was dropping into the defence. Is Mikel trying to adopt a slightly different model this season, whereby the midfield push up that little bit further, press that little bit higher, which is something we've spotted in the first few games. And the right back is even more inverted than maybe they were last season. I don't know. You know, we're going to have to work that out and figure that out over the season. But I'm not really worried, um, you know, about the fact that Tommy Asu plays in both positions because he's done both to a very good level. Uh, you know, how he'll be used remains to be seen, but I suspect that he'll be playing as a right back slash centre-back, you know, depending on the game state. And I think that's something that Mikel Arteta is after. It might not be what we feel it is the right way to go. You know, we look at Kieran Tierney and we think that that's the benchmark and that's how all fullbacks should be. But I would argue that having two fullbacks like that means you've got zero balance. And that was one of the big problems Unai Emery had. Two fullbacks that constantly bombed on and we constantly got caught out as a result of it. So I do think the way that Mikel operates his, his fullbacks is actually one of the positives that he's brought to the team. Uh, and I just think now that if Tommy Asu comes in and proves to be that right player for that role, I think you'll see the benefits of that a lot more. So uh, yeah, that's where I am on that. But thank you. Uh, thank you all for your comments. Thank you all for your questions. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure if you haven't done so already that you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new 
uh, just a short episode uh, this afternoon, but we'll be back later on with a much longer edition of the podcast. Myself and James Cook will be talking all things Arsenal. Come join us live at 4.30pm UK time. It'll be available in podcast format from 5.30. Until then, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the London sunshine because I think it's going to go away after today. So make the most of it and I'll catch you all soon. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.